I'm Erica Lacasse, and this is the Messy Messianic Mama podcast. Today we'll be talking about where we find our identity. Stick around for some hope healing and maybe even some laughs. Welcome, and thank you for joining me for another Messy Messianic Mama podcast. Today is Monday, January 25th, 2021, and I'm excited that you decided to join me today as we'll be talking about where we may find our identity, whether we find it in another person or in who other people say we are or who we've even decided we ourselves are. I know when I look at, think about identity, a lot of us, we consider part of our identity, um, our jobs, the culture we live in, or even are from, our sexuality, education, our past, our situations in life, or even our illnesses that we may struggle with. Of course, you know how I am. I like to look up what uh, the definition is for certain words. And obviously, I looked up the uh, definition for identity. And I like the third one down, which uh, made a lot more sense than the first two. You're welcome to go look that up yourself. But the third one said, condition or character as to who a person or what a thing is, the qualities, beliefs, etc., that distinguish or identify a person or thing. Now, I don't know about you, but the, the past circumstances in my life for many years did make me feel as if I identified as a certain type of person. I know that a lot of us can identify as being broken. And quite frankly, I think as a human race and as a people, we're all broken in some way, shape, or form, simply by things that may have happened to us in our past. And um, those things tend to shape us into who we are today. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I know that it can be um, a daily struggle for some of us who um, may have experienced quite a bit of trauma in our past. But I did want to talk and touch base a little bit on a couple things. Um, My husband actually did a teaching on identity this past uh, Saturday in our congregation. And I am going to grab a couple things that he said um, because they, I think, are really uh, important and prevalent. It was funny because my kids were like, oh, you're stealing from your dad's, you know, from dad's teaching. And I'm like, well, actually, I was planning on talking about this a couple weeks ago. And um, we both agree this would be a good topic to to speak on at our congregation and also in my podcast. Um, It's something that I think everyone um, as the human race as a whole, we all struggle with our identity. Um, Who am I? What is my purpose? Why am I here? And um, obviously, I'm going to lead you to the word of God. But I also want to give you some uh, life examples um, for instance, um, my husband on his last deployment was in Okinawa. He is a Marine in case, uh, this is your first time listening. And his last deployment was in Okinawa and the pastor that he was under at the time while he was in Okinawa, uh, told this story about, um, him being on a mission trip in the Philippines. And he struck up a conversation with a young man who was, uh, as the pastor said it, quite effeminate. He asked the young man how he was and he made small talk and he asked him if he had a girlfriend and the young man giggled and said, no, he was gay. Now, this man was not naive. He knew what he was getting himself into when he struck up this conversation with this young man and he didn't hesitate. He asked him the only question that mattered. Who told you you were gay? The young man was taken aback and his friends tried to stand up for him 
and tried to tell the pastor to leave him alone. And the pastor, of course, just said to them, you be quiet, I'll deal with you in a minute. Boldness was never weakness for this pastor. And I think that that's something that uh, each of us as believers really does strive to, uh, we wish we would have more of, because I don't know about you, but I'm not sure that that's the way I would have reacted, but I sure hope that it is the way I react if I ever come across that kind of situation. And he just, um, he said to this man, he turned back to the kid and he, and he said, answer the question, who told you you were gay? And the young man, you know, hemmed and hawed and said, well, you know, everyone at school said that, I, you know, he is gay and his friends said he was gay. And in other words, the world said he was gay. So the pastor asked him, did God say you were gay? And of course, the answer was no. Well, then you're not gay, are you? And for the first time, this young man saw the truth. Someone took the time to tell this young man the truth. The world told him he was gay, but the God who made the world told him something else. And the young man said, no, I'm not gay, am I? You see, the Bible is clear that you find your identity in Christ alone because you are a child of the Most High God and you are an image bearer of the same. And we need to act like it. Another really great example, which I actually totally forgot about um, until my husband brought it up. We um, were also um, deployed, not deployed, we actually were stationed in Hawaii. And it was a lovely four years, um, absolutely enjoyed it. But I also, um, while living there, um, for whatever reason, because of the climate, um, beautiful climate, but for whatever reason, I inherited, for lack of a better term, a bunch of allergies. And um, that is what's caused a lot of my health issues that I still have to this day, that I still have to work through and remind myself that is that's not my identity. That's not who I am. Just because I may happen to be sick a lot um, does not mean that that's, that's me. That's who I am. But going back to the fact that we lived in, in Hawaii and um, the first synagogue that we, uh, a messianic synagogue that we tried to attend, we made friends with this lovely couple and they were originally from Romania. And we learned, learned a lot from them and we discovered a lot of cultural differences. Um, for example, literally when we first met them, almost out of the blue, they asked us how much money we made. Now, as a, if you are American, you know that that's kind of a taboo subject. You don't just go out, especially people you just met, and say, hey, how much money do you make? Because we find that rude and also kind of invasive. And, and uh, so needless to say, we, uh, we were thrown off. And, it, you know, we came to find out that in their culture, it's rude to ask what you do for a living, but not rude to ask how much money you make. The reasoning is that it's important to have an idea how much money your friends have so you don't try to make plans outside of their means. For example, if they're fairly well off and we're dirt poor, they wouldn't want to invite us to an expensive event. They, that would force us to either be embarrassed that we could afford to go or to make us spend money we didn't have. And it's rude to ask what someone does for a job because unlike Americans, they don't identify with their occupation. And to me, that was honestly an amazing concept I never even thought of because in America, one of the first things when you meet someone, you say, hey, like, what do you do? Like, what do you do for a job? That's just something that we do here in America. And for them, that was 
actually rude. Of course, we weren't the first Americans they'd ever met, so they didn't take offense to it. And we're still friends to them uh, with them to this day. But um, they made a really great example. They're like, you know, say that that I'm a doctor in Romania, a surgeon at the top of my profession, top of my field, and then I come to the United States. I can't be a doctor here without going back to medical school. And I have to take a job as a janitor in a hospital to put food on the table. Does that make you a different person? No. But if you ask him what he does for a living, he might be embarrassed. All of that to say is that we aren't what we do. We aren't what has happened to us or the mistakes we have made. And I don't know about you, but I have made plenty of mistakes in my life. And I don't want to base my identity on those mistakes. Um, you know, I, I, we also, another thing he talked about in, uh, his sermon was past couple weeks, we actually had some problems with our septic system and, um, the man who came out was actually, uh, the owner of the company for the septic system, uh, that we always have come out and, and fix things. But my parents were here, so there are a couple extra bodies and, um, we needed it fixed because it was, there was a problem with it. It turned out it was just a, the filtration or something wasn't working, but he ended up being here for about an hour, hour and a half. And he would just, he was talking about how happy he was in the work that he was doing and that he was grateful for where God had placed him and that everything he does, he tries to do to the glory of God. And to me, this is a guy who literally takes care of human refuse on a daily basis, and he's been doing it for 30 years. Here's a guy, if anyone's going to complain about their life and, you know, the lot that's given to them, you know, that's not exactly a um, glorified job. It's not something like, oh, I want to be, you know, I want to go and be a septic man when I grow up. That's not really something I've ever heard anyone say before. But this man, he chose to see it in the light of you know, this is what, what God has blessed me with. This is the job that I've been blessed with. And this is, I'm going to make something of this and I'm going to give all the glory to God. And to me, that, that says a whole lot about this man's character. And, um, he was just, honestly, it was really kind of a blessing just to, to speak with him and to hear what he had to say, because he did not base his identity on what he did. And, you know, he talked about, you know, and, and to his shame, he talked about, you know, 30 years ago before he knew Yeshua, he had also been in the military and was a Marine and he was stationed in Okinawa. And he said, the worst, you know, the, the worst time in my life was six months in Okinawa. I was drunk the entire time. I just drank the whole time. And can you imagine, and this is a really great, I, I thought Ben had a really great point. This is my husband speaking at the sermon was, can you imagine somebody who knew him during those six months and came and, and met him again today would he actually expect him to be the same as he was all those years ago? No. And I think that, I think that the same is true for, for all of us. I don't know about you, but somebody came back to me and knew me when I was a teenager, back when I was off being wild, and met me today and still expect me to be that same person. Um, one, I think it would be sad if I was still that same person. Honestly, I think I'd be dead, so there wouldn't be that situation even coming to fruition. But the point is that that's not my identity. Just because you've made mistakes or there have been situations in your life that you had no control over, that does not 
mean that that's what defines you. And I think that we need to remember that and go back to what does the word of God say? Now we go back to what Genesis one twenty seven, and in Genesis one twenty seven it says, God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. That's about as basic as you could possibly get. Now, I know that there's some in the world who would like to argue that there are actually more genders than female and male, but the word of God tells us otherwise. There, there's two genders, and, and that's it. Um, anyone who says anything otherwise is confused and might, um, not might, there, there might be some things going on with them mentally where they might need to get themselves some help, and I would encourage you to do so if you are struggling with your sexual identity. Um, God does not call you to be confused. Um, he created man and woman. He did not create a man in, and to cause you to be confused and think that you need to be a woman, even though you're a man. Um, that's, there's nowhere in the Bible that talks about that being um, what God, God's heart for us is. Um, I did want to go kind of, we're really going to focus on, if you do have your Bible, please go to Ephesians. We're going to be reading Ephesians 1 and 2. I know it sounds like a lot. It's really not that bad. Um, cause I actually, I thought about this and I was like, Lord, like, where's a really great example where, you know, and, and it shows where we can find our identity. And the reality is all throughout the scriptures are great examples of the Lord talking about who we are in him and who he has called us to be and reminding us of, of who we are, you know, like, uh, Jeremiah 20 and 11, you know, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you before you were born. I consecrated you. I appointed you. Um, yeah, that's one of my favorite verses, but I think Ephesians is a really great example because we go back to, um, if you guys know kind of the background, I'll give you kind of a little synopsis of that. Um, Saul, um, originally, and you could find that story in Acts 8, and nine, um, Saul changes from Saul to Paul um, during that time. Saul was a Jewish believer, and he, in fact, he also um, was there when Stephen was stoned um, for his belief in Yeshua and him um, evangelizing and prophesying, you know, and, and speaking up for um, Yeshua. And uh, Saul had a encounter on the road to Damascus where he was going to go and um, arrest anyone who was a believer in Yeshua and take them back to Jerusalem. And he had an experience where uh, experience with Yeshua and it completely changed his entire mind where he became a believer and he started following Yeshua and a, a good, a good portion of these books from the new Testament are writings from, from Saul, but no longer Saul. Yeshua gave him a new name, Paul. And um, Ephesians is a really great example of, his faith and his gratitude and understanding who he is in Christ. He was in, um, they're pretty sure he was in a prison while he wrote uh, Ephesians and yeah, not, not even pretty sure they know he was in prison at the time and he has such a way with words. And I'm like, Lord, if I ever heaven forbid end up in a prison, let me have the, the same attitude as, as Paul where he's exhorting and, just exemplifying and, and being exactly who I think God has called him to be and all of us to be in those kind of situations. Um, but another thing I wanted to talk about for who I am, if you have not seen the movie Overcomer, um, it's a great movie and it actually talks a lot about identity. 
it has a lot to do with people's identity. And it kind of actually, that's what the Holy Spirit used to give me the idea of this. Because in it, this girl finds her identity. And um, a woman who's ministering to her tells her to read Ephesians. And the first two chapters of Ephesians say a whole lot. And um, basically, um, I'm going to read as much as I can. Please bear with me. I do believe reading scripture, not just throwing things out of context and reading portions of it is really helpful, but, um, I want you to, to hear what the word of God says here. It's, I'm going to start from Ephesians one verses three, and I'm going to read chapter two as well. Um, to the end, because it basically literally tells you who we are in Christ. If you want to know who your identity, like where it is and, and how we are to be, it's right here. So Ephesians one Verse three says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord, Yeshua, the Messiah, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Messiah. He chose us in the Messiah before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Messiah Yeshua in keeping with the good pleasure of his will to the glorious praise of his grace with which he favored us through the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood the removal of trespasses in keeping with the richness of his grace that he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will in keeping with his good pleasure that he planned in Messiah. The plan of the fullness of times is to bring all things together in the Messiah, both things in heaven and things on earth, all in him. In him, we also were chosen predestined according to his plan. He keeps working out all things according to the purposes of his will, so that we, who were first to put our hope in Messiah, might be for his glorious praise. After you heard the message of truth, the good news of your salvation, and when you put your trust in him, you were sealed with the promised Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. He is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of his possession to his glorious praise. Therefore, ever since I heard of your trust in the Lord Yeshua and of your love for all the Kedoshim, which means the holy ones, or in the King James Version, I believe they say saints, I never stop giving thanks for you as I mention you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah, our glorious Father, may give you spiritual wisdom and revelation in knowing him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What is the richness of his glorious inheritance in the Kedoshim, or holy ones? And what is his exceedingly great power toward us who keep trusting him, in keeping with the working of his mighty strength? This power he exercised in Messiah when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heaven. He is far above any ruler, authority, power, leader, and every name that is named. Not only in the Olam Hazeh, which means this world, but also... In the Olam Haba, which means the world to come. God placed all things under Messiah's feet and appointed him as head over all things for his community, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. At that time, you walked in the way of this world, in conformity to the ruler of the domain of the air, the ruler of the spirit who is now operating in the sons of disobedience. We too all lived among them in the cravings of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and the mind. 
By nature, we were children of wrath, just like the others. But God was rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Messiah. By grace, you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Messiah Yeshua. To show in, in the Olam Haba, which once again means the world to come, the measureless richness of his grace in kindness toward us in Messiah Yeshua. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from our, yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is not based on deeds so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Messiah Yeshua for good deeds, which God prepared beforehand so we might walk in them. So, therefore, keep in mind that once you Gentiles in the flesh were called uncircumcision by those called circumcision, which is performed on flesh by hand, at that time you were separate from Messiah, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, Messiah Yeshua, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Messiah, for he is our shalom, or peace the one who made the two into one and broke down the middle wall of separation. Within his flesh, he made powerless the hostility, the law code of mitzvot contained in regulations. He did this in order to create within himself one new man from the two groups, making shalom and to reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. And he came and proclaimed shalom to you who are far away and shalom to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by the same Ruach, or Spirit. So then you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. You have been built on the foundation made up of the emissaries and prophets, with Messiah Yeshua himself being the cornerstone. In him, the whole building, being fitted together, is growing into a holy temple for the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into God's dwelling place, in the Ruach and kind of just sum that up, which I found on have hope for the journey.org. It says, who am I? Ephesians one and two. It says, I am blessed with every spiritual blessing. I am chosen because God loves me with an everlasting love. I am adopted as God's beloved child into his family. I am redeemed because God has great plans for my life. I am forgiven and made new in Christ Jesus. I am loved unconditionally by my God who daily pursues me. I am saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. I am God's masterpiece created for his purposes. And all of that in just two chapters. How amazing is that? That, you know, that he used Paul to write these words for us, not only for the church in Ephesus, but also for us. How many years, thousands of years later, I am just absolutely in awe. But I think it's able that we are reminded that our identity does not come from our brokenness, but from God who says, who we are. And when we are able to identify with God and know who he is, we get a clear picture of who we are. And I think that's really important because in order for us to truly understand our identity and our purpose in, in our lives, we need to make an attempt to know God and know who he is. So once again, I will encourage you to open your Bibles please open your Bibles and read the word for yourself. Don't just wait for a pastor or priest or rabbi to tell you what the word of God says. Please do that yourselves. You will not have 
a personal relationship with God, Yeshua, the Holy Spirit, if you are not speaking to him, reading about him, learning about him, you know, you have a normal, you know, like a relationship with my husband. It doesn't work if I choose to not speak to him and learn about him. If you don't do those two very basic things, how can you truly say you have a relationship with that person or with God? And I think that we need to pray and ask God to show us his face. We need to start making um, some changes even in our, our prayer, uh, a prayer life. I know that I do myself. I need to start praying uh, kind of as I did as a preteen. They were very dangerous prayers. And I think that it's important for us in order to find our true identity in Christ is to really pray dangerous prayers like, Lord, search me. Lord, break me. Because in breaking us, he can build us right back up to where we need to be in him. Now, I want to remind you that if you have any questions, concerns, or, you know, you'd like me to speak about something on the podcast and that I would be happy to do. If you do not want me to mention your name on the podcast, all you have to do is ask for it to be anonymous and I will be happy to do that for you. My email address is elmmm3 at protonmail.com. That's E is in Echo, L is in Lima, M is in Mike, M is in Mike, M is in Mike, the number three at protonmail.com. You can also reach me at my email, um, not my email, I'm sorry, my webpage, messymessianicmama.com. Or you can also go to Anchor FM, I believe it's slash Erica LaCasse, and leave me a voicemail. I believe it's a one minute voicemail and I can even maybe even play that on the podcast if it's a question or something of that nature. So I thank you so much again for listening. I pray you have a blessed week and remember that your identity is in Yeshua HaMashiach and not in anything else that anyone else says it is. Only the Lord And his opinion is what matters in our lives. And he says that you are his child and that you are loved. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Bashem Yeshua, Sashalom, in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Be blessed.